In this episode of Physically Spiritual, I will be exploring the interaction of trauma and sin. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I have been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I have discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. In the last episode of Physically Spiritual, we explored the interaction between fear and freedom, how the shifts in our nervous system between states of being safe and feeling endangered or in a life-threat situation affects our senses and then also affects our capacity to make moral choices. We left with this quote on the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1735, says, Imputability and responsibility for an action can be diminished or even nullified by ignorance, inadvertence, duress, fear, habit, inordinate attachments, or other psychological or social factors. That word imputability means responsibility. It means how guilty you can be held for that action, how much it is your fault. So what the Catechism is saying is, because of fear or duress or psychological reasons, we might do something that's wrong, but not actually bear guilt for it or responsibility for it because of how we're affected by that fear. Well, this week I want to fold in a whole nother dynamic, the understanding of trauma that we've come to by modern science. Trauma, it's an interesting field and it's an ever-developing field. And I've learned a lot over the years, and I'm going to quote a lot today from the work of Dr. Bessel van der Kolk in his uh, very seminal work called The Body Keeps the Score. So we might categorize trauma in three different uh, categories. There's three kinds of traumatic events we might experience. The first are shock traumas. A shock trauma is something like a car accident or a natural disaster, an assault. It's something that happens, but it's a limited period of time. And even though it might be really severe, it's there and then it's not. The second kind of trauma is a developmental or a relational trauma. This kind of trauma might be things like abuse, neglect, or feeling a lack of safety in your primary relationships, like a child not feeling safe around their parents. The third kind of trauma come from your experiences. Things like having toxic, chronic stress in your life, every day just being overwhelmed and overcome by stress. It could also come from a surgery. Surgery is very confusing for the human body because you're simultaneously being cut open, so your body perceives life threat. And on the other hand, you're strapped down or you're made unconscious. So you're simultaneously then restrained. Right? So your body obviously wants to get away, but can't. So it sends it all the way down the ladder into a state of being uh, shut down, of playing dead. And oftentimes people can have difficulty coming back out of that after the surgery. And it can also be environmental exposures, things like poverty and racism and and other chronic issues in people's lives can cause a traumatic event. But the, the formation of trauma isn't just the event the person experiences, but it's the ongoing relationship they have with the event. It's the agency they experience in the event and afterwards. It's the resolution, the reconnection maybe with loved ones. 
So multiple people might go through the same experience. Some will form an, an ongoing and lasting trauma that will affect their lives. And others may have very little long-term effects and not actually form a trauma from that. So the trauma itself, although we identify these events as traumatic things, the trauma we carry with us is our ongoing relationship to that thing and how it's affected us. So as we keep going in this episode, I want to invite you all to support Physically Spiritual and become a member of the Totus Tuus community. Totus Tuus is the patron community of Physically Spiritual, and your monthly donation will go to offset all the expenses associated with producing and publishing this show. Go to physicallyspiritual.com to find uh, the perks at all the different giving levels and to become a part of making this all happen. If you want to get access to your perks, if you're a member of the community, want to uh, have a great experience watching or listening to the show or have a great alternative social media network to be a part of, consider getting the Awaken app. Go to theawakenapp.io or search for the Awaken app on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store to get the Awaken app. So in the introduction to his work, Dr. Vanderkolk says this, Research from new disciplines has revealed that trauma produces actual physiological changes, including a recalibration of the brain's alarm system, an increase in stress hormone activity, and alterations in the system that filters relevant information from irrelevant. We now know that trauma compromises the brain area that communicates the physical, embodied feeling of being alive. These changes explain why traumatized individuals become hypervigilant to threat at the expense of spontaneously engaging in their day-to-day lives. They also help us understand why traumatized people so often keep repeating the same problems and have such trouble learning from experience. We now know that their behavior are not the result of moral failings or signs of a lack of willpower or bad character. They are caused by actual changes in the brain. There's a lot in that paragraph. One, a great summary of the way that trauma actually changes our body, changes the physiology of our brain and and the rest of our body, the way we react, the way we experience the world around us. And I'm going to put a bookmark in that because a lot of the rest of the episode is going to go through some of the details of that science. But then going on to the end, it's a common experience or people who have significant traumas to actually relive or repeat or reenact their trauma because the the brain uh, has a difficult time remembering accurately. The body remembers by acting it out again. So oftentimes uh, people who have been traumatized are doing things in a sense out of their control. It's affected their free will. It's affected their capacity to choose, right? So Dr. Vanderkolk points out that it's not because of a lack of willpower or a moral failing, but it's because there's actual changes in their brain. So I want to explore this from a Catholic perspective. How do we, one, reconcile this finding with the teachings of our faith? And two, what can our faith um, come in to teach us about how to overcome these challenges in our lives too. So there's basically three different general approaches to how to work on trauma, how to overcome trauma. The first is a a talk-down approach. This is sometimes called the talking cure or talk therapy. 
cognitive behavioral therapy. It's re reconnecting with another person and then coming to a new understanding or belief around the situation. There's also different medicines or technologies that you can try. And, and these uh, medications change the way the body organizes information, changes the way the brain functions or different chemicals that the body's releasing. And there's also a bottom up approach, a physical approach. This is allowing the body to have experiences that contradict the trauma, the contradict the trauma. This is, is really interesting. There were experiments done on dogs in the 20th century, and I'm not at all a proponent of experimenting on animals. Um, but what they did was they, uh, they gave these animals electric shock repetitively, and then they would open their cages and then shock them again. And what they did is they caused a trauma in these animals in such a way that even when they opened the cages, they wouldn't try to escape anymore because they were so fearful of getting shocked again. As I say it, it's like, ter it's terrible. Like I hate that I'm even like quoting this information because of how terrible it is. What they found though, was that if they, if they would start to walk the dogs slowly and gently out of the cages repetitively, they would then overcome the fear of the shock. So even though they had been traumatized and then wouldn't leave the cage, so it had then affected their behavior, even when they weren't being shocked anymore, that by retraining their bodies, they were able to overcome the trauma. They were able to rearrange uh, the way that they would react to the situation. And this is what I'm talking about by a bottom-up approach to trauma. You're allowing the body to have experiences that contradict the experience. In order to go really go deep in this idea, we have to understand what happens in the brain when we're experiencing something difficult and potentially traumatic. So the good news is with modern technology, we can get real-time images of what's happening in the brain. Um, so experiments have been done. Uh, and, and in the show notes, I'll have links uh, to various articles um, online to different experiments like this. So you can see for yourself if you want to dig deeper. And I'll also link uh, Dr. Vanderkolk's work in his book if you want to get your own copy. So what they did in these experiments is they would have a participant who experienced some kind of trauma tell the story of their trauma and it would be recorded. And then they would also give a, a, some kind of story of connection and safety and goodness from their life. And then the experimenters would put the people in an, F, in an fMRI machine or another imaging technology, and then they would read the story back to them and then watch what happened in their brain. They would watch what happened in their brain when the story of safety is sort of get a baseline for the normal function. And then they would read back to them the traumatic story and then pay attention to how the brain changed uh, based on just hearing the story again from their own life. And what they found was that in the right base of the brain, the amygdala was activated, highly activated. It's that, that emotional center of the brain that's uh, involved in that fight-flight response we talked about in the last episode. But interestingly enough, other parts of the brain didn't function as well. In, in the left frontal lobe, so up here in the prefrontal cortex on the left side, there's an area called Bracca's area. And Bracca's area is an area associated with language, our capacity to put words to our experiences. And this part of the brain actually shuts down when you're going through the traumatic event. 
Interestingly enough, too, another area named Broadman's Area 19 that registers newly seen images also shuts down. So your ability to record accurately the images that go along with the traumatic event is also inhibited. In general, what happens is the right side of the brain, and this is an oversimplification, but the right side of the brain um, is more involved with emotional connection, feelings, relationships. The left side of the brain is more involved with information and data and words. Uh, And this is called the lateralization of brain function. And in general, during the trauma, the right side of the brain is hyperactivated and the left side of the brain is downregulated. And this is all very important because when we're thinking about traumatic memory then, uh, what's also been found is the effect of stress hormones on the brain are that stress hormones actually cause the brain to remember everything more acutely. Remember everything more acutely. And this is because the brain's a survival organ. So if something really bad happens, something really dangerous happens, the body's thinking, I really need to remember this so I can save your life in the future. So you're simultaneously sort of hyper-recording everything in a super powerful way. The emotional part of the brain is hyper-activated. So all those emotions are getting registered. Then at the same time, the part of your brain that's registering the pictures and the words, the data is turned off, down-regulated. So memory of trauma is often sort of broken up, scattered. And the different parts of the traumatic experience are sort um, sort of lost to one another, disconnected. Oftentimes people become incapable of telling their own story, or even sometimes they'll forget the traumatic event. But even though you consciously forget, the body doesn't. That's uh, Dr. Vander Kolk's title, The Body Keeps the Score. So whether or not you can remember, whether or not you can call it to mind, the body does remember. So when you experience something in the present moment that somehow your body connects to that trauma, it's going to react as if, even if you can't call it to mind. All right, let's go a little bit deeper on this idea of memory. This is research done by Dr. Antonio Damasio. This was published in in Science in the year 2000. He says, reliving a strong negative emotion causes significant changes in the brain areas that receive nerve signals from the muscles, gut, and skin. Areas that are crucial for regulating basic bodily functions. The team's brain scans showed that recalling an emotional event from the past causes us to actually re-experience the sensations felt during the original event. This is brain activation in, in sections below the limbic system, which is typically linked with emotion. So in the last episode, we talked about these layers to the brain, the frontal cortex, the kind of emotional side, but then the even more base side associated with all of our physical functioning, the automatic functioning of our body. So what this research has demonstrated is that when we're approaching a difficult memory, something traumatic, our body actually relives the experience. It's not just a matter of the feelings coming back, but actually the sensations come back. 
the body reacts as if it's happening in the present. And this is huge. This is, is, is huge, and it has a massive effect on people's lives. We're experiencing the world through our senses. So my capacity to choose, my capacity to do good, to love others, uh, is, is really somehow limited by my capacity to experience reality as it is. So what we're saying here is fundamentally when the body is in a state affected by trauma, that I'm not experiencing the world as it is, but I'm experiencing a world through the trauma, a world through those experiences. So the emotions of others, my own emotions, I'll be disconnected from those. And then the, the feelings that I do have sometimes will be too big or too small. I'll feel out of control. And so I'll often make decisions that don't fit, decisions that don't make sense. This is from, uh, from Dr. Vander Kolk's research, his own. He says, perhaps the most important finding in our study was that remembering the trauma with all of its associated effects does not, as Breuer and Freud claimed in 1893, necessarily resolve it. Our research did not support the idea that language can substitute for action. Most of our study participants could tell a coherent story and also experience the pain associated with those stories, but they kept being haunted by unbearable images and physical sensations. So what Dr. Vanderkolk is talking about here is that, that early on in the development of, of, the, uh, of mental health and the sciences around it, the science of psychology, there was a, a theory that came forward, and the idea was that talking about something was the same as doing something. Right? So, so you could reenact something by talking through it, and by talking through it, you can adjust your relationship to it. And it's true that, that talking about things can be helpful sometimes and, and certainly has a positive effect. But just talking about something doesn't actually undo all of the negative effects of a trauma. And in fact, if remembering the trauma causes your body to re-experience the traumatic event, talking about something traumatic can actually be re-traumatizing. Meaning trying to get over it, sitting down even with a counselor in a professional setting and talking about something bad that happened to you could actually make it worse if it's not handled skillfully. The talking about the trauma has to happen in a, in a safe, connected way. Your body has to be able to experience the reality of the situation, that you're with somebody who loves you and cares about you, that you're safe, that you're connected, that you're cared for. And as you're discussing the difficult thing, you have to stay connected. So if you begin to dissociate, if you begin to relive the trauma, if the feeling uh, overwhelms you, if you enter into a fight-flight state, you should pause and come back to safety reestablish that connection or even even halt and come back to it at a later session. And this is so you're not re-traumatizing yourself by reliving the experience in the session. So what they've found is more body-based therapies, therapies that focus on um, movement, other things that, that address what's going on in the brain, uh, applications like EMDR, somatic experiencing, sensory motor processing, um, that these different approaches to trauma are actually very helpful because it, it addresses the physical effects of the trauma and not just the mental effects of the trauma. 
So in, in later episodes of the season, I'm actually going to talk about some of these modalities. So I'm not going to dig into that right now. But I want to I circle back to the idea of sin, to the idea of our faith. From the Catechism, again, 1735, imputability and responsibility for an action can be diminished or even nullified by ignorance, inadvertence, duress, fear, habit, inordinate attachment, or other psychological or social factors. This is, this is one of the things the Catechism is talking about. If you feel stuck in a sin, if there's a bad habit you have that you just can't get out of, you have to be open and explore the fact that there could be some trauma in your past. Sometimes we just think that trauma are like getting shot or getting stabbed or like these really bad traumatic things like abuse. But sometimes it can be something as simple as like not feeling seen by your parents, not feeling accepted in your own home, being afraid that you're going to be punished overly severely. Uh, these, these things can also affect us in, in significant ways. It can be the trauma being cheated on by a loved one. It could be a surgery that you had when you were a child and you weren't able to reconnect and find safety and re-regulate your nervous system after the surgery. All these things can cause traumas in us that our body remembers and affects us. Right? All of these effects change our, our senses, our fundamental experience of the world around us, how we interpret what we see, what we smell, what we taste, what we hear. These traumatic memories connect with the present, and then the passions we experience the feelings of attraction or repulsion are then changed by our past, by our memory. So then our capacity to choose to be free is modified by it. If our body's experiencing life threat, if the more modern part of the brain shuts down and the more primitive part of the brain is activated, I'm in that fight flight state or that shutdown place. And then I also have a traumatic memory at play. My body is basically short-circuited to function at a higher capacity. So short of an act of like supernatural grace in that moment, right? I'm going to be acting out of that trauma. I'm going to be acting out of that fear. My body's, my body's crying out for safety, right? So that's what I'm going to choose. So ultimately, we have to begin with compassion on ourselves and love for ourselves. We have to see ourselves as God sees us. God sees our whole life. They see us. God sees us as a scared child, as a wounded teenager, as a confused young adult, uh, and, and sees all the trauma that has been inflicted on us and all the trauma we've inflicted on ourselves and how that's affected our brain and our heart and our mind. So God has that kind of love for us, so we need to have that kind of love for ourselves. So we need to react to ourselves with compassion. Second, we need to embark on a healing journey. Getting over these sins, these bad habits, isn't just a matter of trying harder, of selling your will better, or even learning a bunch of new information, right? Because in the midst of that trauma, that whole part of your brain basically is disconnected. is isn't going to help. That's not going to fix it. We need to experience safety. We need our, our body to experience love. Part of that is spiritually experiencing God's presence, experiencing God's gaze upon us, God's love for us. Part of it's also experiencing others' loves, safety in their arms, safety in the conversation. Part of it is also going to probably be experiencing love with a mental health professional, with a counselor, someone who's skillful 
who can help you to, to notice the sensations in your body and regulate your nervous system and connect with you and give you the time and attention and compassion to, to dig through all of this mess, all this difficulty. And then finally, we need God's healing in all of this. We need his grace. God is our healer. In the Old Testament, God proclaims, I, the Lord, am your healer. And so we need the grace of the sacraments. We need the grace of prayer and the grace of other people praying over us for healing uh, that we can continue to overcome these difficulties. In the end, the body keeps the score and the traumatic events of our lives change the way we perceive the world. Uh, But God has come to heal us, to reform our hearts and minds, to heal our bodies so that we can experience him and we can experience one another in truth. Thanks for listening to this episode of Physically Spiritual. I hope you stick with us in season three as we explore how to come overcome habitual sin and mental health from a Catholic perspective. Thank you so much for being a part of Physically Spiritual. Every moment of the show you've watched, know that I'm grateful that you've given your time to this. I'm so passionate about the message that I'm trying to share, and I'm excited about the future of the show. So thank you for every like, every view, every watch, every follow, every comment, every rating you give in the show. And a special thank you to all you that are already members of the Awakened Nation. So thanks again for supporting the show.